Welcome to In The Game. I'm your host, Luke Shakota. Thank you all so much for joining us today. we got a lot to talk about today, a whole lot to talk about. We will discuss baseball, bulls, bears, and to help us trying to entangle this giant ball of yarn that is Chicago sports is our guest for today's episode. He is one half of the McNeil and Parkins show on 670 The Score. You can also catch him on CBS Sports Radio on Sunday nights. And you can follow him on Twitter at Danny Parkins. He is Danny Parkins. Danny, how are you? Welcome back. Hey, man. Thanks so much for uh, having me back on. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you coming back on. And, Danny, I need your help. Do you speak fluent Ryan Pace? <laughs> I like to uh, I like to think that I've got my Ryan Pace Dakota ring on. Yeah, what do you need to know? What do you need translated? Well, I I need your help trying to figure out is Ryan Pace lying or is he being sincere in his evaluation of Mitchell Trubisky because he came out in the combine saying he's accurate, he's mobile, he he can read defenses, he's smart. I mean, is he lying? Or is he being sincere? And which one is the scariest of the two? Well, okay, so there's a couple of things there. I think that he is on some level telling the truth with a big caveat of for now, right? When he's like, our intent, Mitch is our guy. Well, Mitch is the only quarterback on the roster right now. Right. So, like, if they had to play a game tomorrow, there's no other quarterback here. So, by definition, Mitch is his guy. Mitch is mobile. Mitch was accurate in college and has shown flashes of accuracy in the NFL. He has multiple NFL games where he's completed over 70% of his passes. So uh, that is a trait that he was drafted on was mobility and, and accuracy. So I think in the scouting report on Mitch, those are all things that Ryan Pace believes. But I think the I'm a big actions over words person, both in life, but especially when evaluating the NFL, because the NFL is fairly straightforward in how it all works. Like we know that there's a salary cap. We know that there's a salary floor. We know that today, for example, is when the window opens for negotiating with uh, franchise and transition tags. Right. There's a league calendar that is very readily available for anyone who wants to Google it. So the fifth year option deadline is in May. The draft is in April. Free agency is in March. And when Matt Nagy, has, or excuse me, when Ryan Pace has been given the opportunity to commit to exercising the fifth year option on Mitch, he's deferred multiple times saying that they don't have to make that decision yet. Well, he was given an opportunity with Leonard Floyd just last year, and at the first time he was asked the question, he said, we intend to pick up the fifth-year option on Leonard Floyd. So he has no problem tipping his hand verbally onto a procedural contract move if he intends to make that contract procedure happen. So I believe that he does not intend to pick up the fifth-year option on Mr. Trubisky, and I believe that he is going to add a quarterback in free agency. And I believe it's going to be someone who not only presents a legitimate competition for Mitch Trubisky, but is going to be considered one of the favorites or the favorite to start at quarterback. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think that there is going to be a splashy headline type move for, yes, it will be someone who is flawed. Like you don't get hall of famers in their prime to switch teams very often, but I 
do think that there is going to be a change at quarterback for the Bears this offseason. And what are some of the names that you are looking out for? Because obviously the top of mind for a lot of fans, including myself, is Derek Carr. That's my hope. I would like to see Derek Carr here because he's actually going to be, this is a little bit stunning to me, he is actually going to be cheaper in 2021 than Mitchell Trubisky would be if they were to pick up the fifth-year option. I still can't believe that. That boggles my mind. But obviously there are players like Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota that would be out there potentially. Who are you hoping that the Bears could bring in to not just be competition to Trubisky, but maybe be the starter and get this team back to the playoffs? Yeah, I think if it was Marcus Mariota, then it would be a true training camp competition and Trubisky would have the upper hand. I, I think that it's fair to say that the most likely scenario is that Mitch is a quarterback for the Bears without them picking up the fifth-year option. He's the favorite to be the starter, and there will be a training camp battle, and they might look to the Tennessee Titans as, okay, they they had Mariota in his fifth year, but they brought in Ryan Tannehill, and after six weeks, Mariota wasn't getting the job done, so they made the switch in season. And, and Mitch will be kind of singing for his supper and playing for his job, even if he's the favorite to start in September. That doesn't mean he'll be the favorite to start in November and December and hopefully into January. Like I think that's probably right. the most likely outcome. But there's a report today that Tom Brady – is maybe going to be on the move. Yep, if you get Tom Brady, he's the starter. If you can get Derek Carr, he's the starter. If you can get Teddy Bridgewater, he's the starter. If you get Phillip Rivers, he's the starter. If you get Marcus Mariota, it's probably competition. If you get Andy Dalton, it's probably a competition. If you get Nate Sudfeld, well, then he's probably in competition, but most likely a backup. You're a former sixth-round pick, but right. he's with the Eagles. He knows the system. Um, if Alex Smith somehow is medically cleared to play, I would assume that that would be competition, but that he would be the favorite to be the starter. So they'll try, I think, to get the best quarterback possible, and they'll have them ranked, and five or six of them would be favored to be the starter over Mitch. Uh, three or four of them, it would be a true competition. And then another half a dozen or more would be much more likely to be Mitch's backup. And, you know, in case of emergency break glass, this guy comes in. So I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I want them to get the best quarterback possible because I think if they got just above average, you know, the 12th to the 15th best quarterback play in the NFL next year, I think the Bears are a Super Bowl contender. And what's also interesting to me, this relates to how the offense could work as a whole. And when I listen to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy speak, especially recently, I get the sense, and maybe I'm being unfair here, but when I hear them speak about what they want to do with the offense, I don't hear enough specifics. I hear sometimes GMs and coaches get specific in the NFL, but that's pretty pretty rare for, for lack of a better term. But I want them to tell me exactly what is it about the offense that broke. Obviously, they said things that the running game was an issue. Okay, how? What was the problem? What is it that you need to fix? Is it trying to find a right guard or, or fix the left tackle position? Is it bring in new set of tight ends. Tell me specifically what it is that you are trying to do with this offense. Do you get that sense or am I being a little unfair here? I was just I mean, like, I would like you to give me the precedent of another NFL team that does that. Right. Like, it's, it, it's a league that operates with secrecy because 
there's a finite number of resources, right? So, like, if you tip your hand and you say, we need to add a right guard this offseason, well, then the agents of the top right guards in free agency are going to maybe take a little bit of advantage of your desperation or teams in the draft that know, okay, well, everybody's kind of got the same ish evaluation process. Uh, then they need to, you know, the bears are looking to upgrade at left tackle and this left tackle is slotted in around their first pick in the second round, but we want a left tackle too. We've got a trade to get up in front of the bears. Like there's no, there's no competitive advantage in putting out the specifics. So again, look to the actions, yeah. They fired Harry Heastand. They fired Mark Helfrich. Mark Helfrich was considered to be part of the run game coordinator, and Harry Heastand was the offensive line coach. That tells you that they look, they're they looking to change how they approach the offensive line and the running game. Now, those guys were scapegoats, and it wasn't just their fault, and some of it was personnel. But I, I, I think that what you're asking for is – reasonable from a fan's perspective but from a practical perspective like if yeah. you were the if you were ryan pace you wouldn't want to do what you're suggesting you want him to do right yeah i just keep thinking i just keep trying to remember what what was chris ballard saying at the end of the season for the indianapolis colts and he was getting probably as specific as any gm could possibly get and i just wish that ryan pace would just give me a little bit of that, even if it's like yeah, 10%. Yeah, I, I get it, man. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a reasonable thing to want and to wish for. And here's the thing. If you and all Bears fans had utmost confidence that Ryan Pace was competent, right. you wouldn't you wouldn't care. Right. right? Like no, no one's like, oh, Bill Belichick never shares anything. Yeah. Like, like no, 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 one, no one has that complaint, really, uh, among Patriot fans because he wins and you know he's competent. The, so the issue isn't, in my mind, really, like the root cause issue is not that Ryan Pace doesn't share things. It's that he doesn't share things and we don't exactly know whether or not he's good at this job yet. Yeah, that's what the big issue is, I think. I completely agree with you. And I would be remiss, Danny, if I didn't talk to you about what is going on with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I Tell me if this is unfair, too. I get the sense from the Cubs, with what has happened this, this whole offseason, that they are, whether they're consciously or subconsciously, trying to choose between Chris Bryant and Javier Baez. I can't – it just boggles my mind that they still cannot come up with the money to try to afford both of those guys. But I do get the sense that they are now at a point where they have chosen Javier Baez over Chris Bryant. Is this something that's going to linger throughout the year, and do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, that's how sports works nowadays is that when star players approach the ends of their contracts – it's just a storyline, period. It's a storyline in all sports, but really baseball and basketball. Because uh, baseball, there's the idea of you don't want to just get a compensatory pick. And basketball, it's you don't want to lose a superstar for nothing, right? Football, there's, you know, the contracts aren't guaranteed. It's not as much of a free agency sweepstakes. There's transition tags and franchise tags and ways to kind of protect yourself and guys superstars are more likely to re-sign with their team because they want to take the money so will this story linger absolutely um the cubs have the money to pay both right and depending on the reports that you believe the cubs have offered both huge amounts of money at various different times in order to to take the contract chris bryant came out pretty hard and said there's a report that I got a mid-$200 million contract offer. 
No one ever brought that to me. So, you know, there's there's some intentional disinformation happening here. Um, will they re-sign both long-term? I'd bet against it, right? Like, that's, yeah. just, that's just normally players want to hit free agency, and then once you hit free agency, you normally go for the highest bidder. And that's not unique to the Cubs. Like that, that's not the Cubs being cheap. It's the Cubs doing what every team in baseball seems to be doing, even the teams that have a ton of money, which is we'll pay the luxury tax once, maybe twice, but we're not going to do it every year in a row because the penalties get really, really stiff. Like the Dodgers have an $8 billion television deal right. and they're not, they're not paying the repeater tax. You can't call the Cubs cheap when they're third in baseball and payroll and they're spending over $200 million on player salary. So it's this weird little balancing act of Cubs fans for so long expected their organization to never spend money on the team at all. And now that they seem to have an owner who is willing to spend and they have all these renovations and all this money and all these revenue streams, it's like, well, now we want you to spend more than everybody else in the sport and pay taxes that no one else in the sport is willing to pay. It's easy for you and I to say that we would do it to keep Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. But if the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers aren't operating that way, I don't know how it's reasonable to say that the Cubs should be operating that way either. Yeah, and to some extent, the Red Sox were operating that way under Dave Dombrowski, and that's why, almost why he lost his job. So I also, what what makes this even more interesting is that Javier Baez and Chris Bryant will be, will be free agents at the same time. I believe that next year is Baez's third year of arbitration, and then he goes to free agency. And let me ask you this. As it concerns Chris Bryant, let's say that he puts up a monstrous year this year, and he's another he's another candidate for the MVP. I think that he can do that if he stays healthy. Does that make it so that the Cubs think to themselves, okay, we have to re-sign this guy. We can't lose him. Or do they say to themselves, hey, he played out of his mind, and now his trade value is that much higher and maybe we can get a better deal. What do you think the Cubs may lean towards if that situation comes up for them? If the Cubs do not think that they can sign Chris Bryant in 2021, they are going to trade Chris Bryant. It's just, I think that that is the overwhelming likelihood, uh, whether it's at the trade deadline this year or this offseason or at next year's trade deadline. It's really rare that you see a situation like the Nationals where they brought both Strasburg and Rendon to free agency. They won a World Series, and they they re-signed one, and they lost the other, and they were like, well, that's okay. We yeah. went all in, and we won the World Series. Like The Cubs, if they hadn't won in 2016, maybe would be willing to do that because they would be like, all that matters is getting that one. But now that they got the one, they've publicly said – the goal is to compete every year and not have to do a complete teardown after 2021, go through three or four losing seasons to build it up again. Like Theo wants to thread that needle of being competitive, but also not having a huge drop off when the core of the 2016 team all hits free agency. And those guys are starting to play into their thirties. So I believe that the Cubs will trade uh, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez before they hit free agency, if it, comes to, if it comes to that, right. but I think that they're going to try to sign one of them. I don't, I don't think that they will just let it be okay. Javi Baez, congratulations, you get to hit the open market. We will be betting for your services, and if we lose you, 
we get a compensatory pick. Like, I don't think Theo Epstein operates that way. Yeah. And last one I have for you, Danny. We know that the Cubs are now projected to finish second in the NL Central Division as Pakota projects them to be, I think it was 85 wins behind the Reds at 86. And the White Sox have a talented roster and a lot of a lot of people are thinking maybe they can squeeze into the playoffs this year. Do you think if both teams don't make the playoffs that it is a not a failure but a disappointment, or is it really one over the other where the Sox still young, still don't know if they don't make the playoffs, they can come back next year and it's fine? Well, I mean, listen, both teams will come back next year and it's fine. Like neither team is going to fold up sure. shop and, and cease to exist. Um, and their fan bases will still be there. That's how sports has a hold of us. Right. Um, it. If the Cubs, the expectations are higher for the Cubs because they are spending more money and the window is closing. So there's more of a desperation to win another one for Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras, Theo. But you know what I mean? Like Theo's yeah. not going to be here forever. So th- there's there's more pressure on the Cubs. So if the Cubs miss the playoffs with that established core, with those payrolls, with those guys' contract situation, it's more of a disappointment if the Cubs miss the playoffs than the White Sox, who, while very improved and very talented, are still very young. Like they, they, they are relying on Eloy and Robert and Giolito and Lopez and Madrigal, you know what I mean, and Rancada. Like they are relying on a lot of young players at their core. Now, adding Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez and Grandal and having the Brayu, like it's not that they don't have any veterans, they do, and it's certainly possible that in a very weak American League Central, the White Sox could make the playoffs with 86 wins. Like That would be amazing. But if the White Sox win 79 games this year, miss the playoffs and you still feel really good about that young core of being ready to take the next step and take a leap next year and they still have a ton of money to spend i still think the arrow is pointing straight up for them with a ton of optimism so missing the playoffs this year would not at all be devastating for the white Sox as long as that core group of young players that i mentioned still seem like they've got a very high ceiling and that you can win at a high level with those guys together and they all stay healthy Danny, great stuff as always. Always appreciate you having having you on the show. Look forward to maybe doing it again soon. Luke, thanks for the uh, the invitation man, and uh, good work with the show, man. Keep at it. Appreciate you. Thank you. That is Danny Parkins, one of the hosts of the McNeil and Parkins show on 670 The Score, also of CBS Sports Radio, and he can be followed on Twitter at Danny Parkins. That is going to do it for today's episode. Want to thank everyone for listening. Want to thank Danny Parkins for joining us today. You can follow the show on Twitter at In The Game Show. You can follow me on Twitter personally at Luke underscore sports. Tomorrow for the next episode, it will be Tony Gill joining us to talk some bulls. So be sure to tune in for that. Until next time, be sure to keep your heads in the game. Oh,